Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and share with others if you're not doing so already. It makes a big difference indeed, and it's very much appreciated. So today, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome back onto the show, Olivia Leland, who is the founder and CEO of CoImpact. Olivia is a repeat guest. She was one of our earlier guests back in 2019, and I'd highly encourage you to take a look at that episode to give you a little bit more context about where we're taking today's conversation. CoImpact does incredible work uh, collaborating uh, in the world of philanthropy and bringing different stakeholders together to make great things happen. They do it at scale. They're big on evidence-based, and uh, and they've recently launched a gender fund as well. So we're going to hear a little bit from Olivia about what's been transpiring over the last couple of years and the great work they're doing and how they are managing to bring all of these really important stakeholders together to make things happen. And just for a little bit of context and to give Olivia more street cred, she's worked closely with the likes of uh, Bill Gates and, uh, and done some amazing stuff with the Giving Pledge. So worth taking a look at that as well. Olivia, a big heartfelt welcome back onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you so much, Alberto. It's great to be back here with you. Excellent. So before we kick off with uh, the work that you're doing right now, give us a little bit of a reminder of what CoImpact is all about. Sure. So um, really, I was thinking back to when we did our last uh, podcast, but it's now, I guess, uh, nearly three years ago. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for the chance to to reflect as well this morning. Um, and to share a bit about CoImpact, we are bringing together partners from around the world to support efforts which are about just an inclusive systems change. And we do that by bringing together philanthropists, social change leaders, advisors, experts from around the world really to, uh, to do this work and, and support this work together. And tell me a little bit about these people you're bringing together, because they're not they're not the smallest outfits, right? They're, they're people of substance and organizations of substance. I'll, I'll share about each of them. So on the, the funder side, we're bringing together philanthropists, institutions, and corporates from really around the world. So we have a very much a global group that is supporting the work. And then we also are supporting our program partners, which are all locally rooted organizations that are working to transform government and market systems to be uh, both more effective and more equitable at core. Uh, and then we also work with advisors uh, in each of the uh, regions where we work, as well as around the, the, the topics and sectors where we work. Uh, to guide us uh, and our partners throughout. Excellent. Thematically speaking, uh, quite a range of topics. So we, uh, well, our partners are focused on um, on system change in the areas of education, health, and economic opportunity. And then in the Gender Fund, which I can speak more to, we're also uh, focused on women's leadership in law and economics. Got you. Great. And so since last time we met each other, uh, way back in 2019, and I think we met since then as well, but uh, <laughs> the pandemic sort of got in the way as well. Um, what's that journey been looking like? So what's been transpiring since we last met up? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so since we last met on the grant making side, I think I was actually listening to the podcast again to see where where we were. And we were really just at the very beginning, we had launched back in 2017. And in 2019, we had made our first round of grants. So now we've been building out uh, within the first fund, our foundational fund, which focuses on um, on just and inclusive systems change in education, health, and economic opportunity, uh, we've been uh, we've been supporting partners in those areas, and then we also just a couple of months ago uh, launched the Gender Fund, which has as its focus to advance gender equality and women's leadership. And I can speak more to that. I'm really excited um, about both of these funds. And then uh, we've also been building out our team uh, as well as our governance. Uh, so that's also been really really exciting. Uh, we now have a team of, of just over 30 people uh, based in eight countries around the world. And uh, we also have, uh, have been building out our advisory boards uh, for each fund, as well as a new board of directors. Uh, so with as we are recording this, our first board meeting tomorrow. Oh, wow. Thank you for taking the time uh, when, when you should be doing all the prep. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're putting together a fund, for some people, they'll get it. And that's all fine. They understand everything. But what do you mean exactly by putting together a fund and what's involved in that? So is it complicated to get a fund off the ground and to manage it and uh, make sure that all the funds are deployed as they should be? And yeah, and we use the term fund. We've actually had some people wonder if that's actually the right term because really okay. it's philanthropic funding. So it's all grant making uh, in in each of the the across our work, so in each of these funds. And what we're doing is we're bringing together funders to pool their funding in support of initiatives that are really driven by uh, by the partners that we're supporting. So core to our overall approach is what we call um, taking more a program partner-centered approach, which means that it's the partners that are really, um, you know, it, it, it's their vision that we are supporting. And so, so that's actually really important in terms of, of how our support comes through. And also the group that then we're bringing together has that as the vision as well. Got you. So if this is a group of uh, entities and individuals who are aligned, thematically speaking, or what they'd like to support, in essence, you act as that vehicle, that mechanism that enables them to deploy their resources, but then not have to duplicate on the grant making, on the evaluation, on all of these things, right? You you act as sort of that sort of focal point? Precisely. And I think one of the things that is... Um that's really important in philanthropy is exactly this question of how we as funders can then come together so that then uh, we can both, we basically it's to provide aligned funding that that is then towards the vision of these partners so that then those that are really driving the work have that longer term runway to be able to um, to be working towards their vision. And so uh, that's a lot of the, I think the benefit of collaborative philanthropy is this idea that you can have funders that are coming together um, and that actually then gives the partners this kind of strategic coherence towards the vision that they have. Got you, got you. And tell us about the gender fund. So congratulations on getting that off the ground. And I have to tell you, I read quite a bit about it. Uh, in the media as well. I think you, you're you're doing well in making sure that people are aware that this is out there and also um, how you went about it. What's um, introduced us to the Gender Fund? Yeah, absolutely. So 
the gender fund is where we're bringing the partners together and the goal is to invest a billion dollars to advance gender equality and women's leadership. Uh, and really that's about both transforming the systems um, of health healthcare and education and economic opportunity and advancing women's power agency and leadership and then also uh, shifting harmful gender norms. Uh, and all of this is done, again, in collaboration and then really led uh, by the partners. So do you get the the money off, uh, up front? Is that already like, do you have that amount ready to go? Or is it over a period of time and, and people say, we'll, we'll be drip feeding into the fund as we go along? Or So we've raised about a third of the fund so far, and we are... Um, in the process of talking to others about joining us uh, as well. And uh, really importantly, when we launched, we really wanted to make sure that already when we launched, we were supporting a set of initiatives because the needs are urgent and we need to get going now. And so uh, as we launched the fund, we already also announced 15 uh, initiatives that we are supporting um, across the fund um, around addressing systemic issues, whether, such as you know, in, the, in these areas. So whether it's about building uh, more gender inclusive education or promoting women's economic empowerment, addressing gender-based violence, and then also um, areas around um, addressing barriers that stand in the way of women's leadership in, uh, in law, uh, and also really about building the research and evidence base um, mm. in these areas as well. So quite comprehensive. The, the idea is very much um, that we are about supporting partners that will then be focused on systemic change in these areas, as well as really addressing the institutional barriers um, to women's leadership across. And so, and we're focused in a set of 13 countries uh, in the regions where we work, um, which is Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And, uh, and so then it's really about, again, how those efforts come together to over the course of 10 years, so I should mention it's a 10 year fund, okay. uh, really see these kinds of, uh, of shifts. Got you, got you. And I was gonna ask you about the geographic uh, side of it, but you've shed light on that. What about, finding these partners to start with. I mean, you know, there's always this thing where you can only be in one place at a time. And even if your team's growing, you still have a limited amount of people. Uh, so how do you identify really uh, worthwhile uh, causes and organizations and also ensure that, you know, that you've done the due diligence to make sure that, that the funds that, that are being deployed will be used as they're supposed to and so forth? Yeah, so for us it's been a, it's been a mix. So we've both done open calls in both our first fund and then also now uh, in the gender fund. Uh, we're currently in the process actually of reviewing applications from uh, from this open call. We got about a thousand applications um, across uh, the three regions. And one of the important things is actually just being clear about the kinds of efforts that we're supporting so that um, that's clear for both uh, for the applicants as well as uh, our team, and then we also have an external set of reviewers uh, that review the, app, the the applications as well. It's a mix of open call, and then we've also um, more and more also been looking to because we now have both our teams as well as uh, advisors in each of the countries where we work. We really are looking to say how is it that we can then um, complement these open calls with more targeted outreach as well. Because one of the things that we find is that an, 
an open call is really helpful um, in terms of uncovering efforts to support. And we need to make sure that when we set criteria, if there if it is such that it ends up excluding efforts that we want to support, that we can also be flexible in terms of how we how we go about uh, the support uh, as well. Yeah, and I think that flexibility is key, right? And and I hear a lot of it, especially over the last two years, this need to sort of recalibrate how things are and adopt a little bit more of a flexible approach and um, things like trust-based philanthropy come to the you know into the conversation quite a bit how has this uh, more recent initiative which you could arguably said is sort of at the tail end well hopefully at the tail end of the pandemic uh, versus your initial uh, foray into funds and grant making i mean what sort of differences did you notice when you were going about the gender fund yeah, so first on the trust-based philanthropy piece, I mean, I think that is core and it's about ultimately trusting the partners that you're actually granting the funding to because they're the ones that know best both the work that they're doing, the context that they're in. And so our job is then to provide that kind of both the longer term support um, as well as flexible funding, which also allows for things like organizational strengthening. Um, and so within that, I think that's really core to how we can go about doing this work. Um, and then in terms of what we've been doing, and I think that the, some of the flexibility also comes in with, as we've been uh, with the second fund, uh, with the gender fund, both around how do we both provide these kind of, you know, at the, our first fund is really all about the um, larger amounts of funding for systems change. And what we found is that we need to continue doing that and also supplement it with other kinds of grant making to, uh, to both help to support you know efforts throughout the pipeline um, as well and, and and at different stages um, in it as well and then also uh, to really uh, supplement it with more for example research and learning um, as well uh, within uh, within the grant making so those are some of the things so I can also speak to more of the lessons we've been doing a lot of reflection yeah. uh, around that uh, sure. because uh, that's kind of what we're about as well yeah by all means give us a little bit of that insight. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think some of the things that we really found uh, in terms of how we go about the grant making, as I mentioned, it's both uh, in terms of the, the different kinds of organizations and grants that we can then provide is one. Another is that we uh, have really now tried to have more of an approach around language justice so that in our open calls and in all of our materials, uh, we can both uh, receive applications in a variety of languages as well as, um, as actually sharing our materials uh, that way as well. Um, one of the other things that we've been working on is, and you mentioned at the beginning, we are very much about um, about evidence and learning and the focus on results. And it's also about saying, how do we even more lean into what's most important from the program partner and the practitioner perspective in terms of the learning and the measurement and evaluation? And also, how can we um, best sort of be you know, recognize that we look at the evidence requirements so that they're, they also really, really do look at, um, at different kinds of approaches as well uh, within that. Uh, so those are just a few of the, the things that I would say uh, in terms of what we've been, Great. What we've been learning. I remember when we, when you were on the show last time, you were talking about a handbook, co-impact handbook um, that was sort of gathering a lot of your learnings, right? 
about uh, how to do things and, and, and you know, also conceivably a, a resource that others could tap into. Yeah, absolutely. And we've actually revised the handbook since the first one. Um, so uh, we wanted to bring in more of the thinking that we've had and the learnings that we've had uh, also around, you know, since the um, both through the work of, of the foundational fund, as well as uh, in the design of the gender fund, as well as what we learned from um, we did a, a, a nine month consultation process uh, before the um, before the launch of the gender fund as well. So we wanted to make sure that that was also included. Um, and then to, I think, you know, one of the key things was this, to, to make sure that in the handbook, we shared more around our focus on power and inclusion throughout um, throughout the handbook too. And, you know, I think one of the other things, and this is something that we're continuing to learn, I will say, I think we're, we're certainly not there yet, but it's this balance between how can we both be supportive and engaged and also not put too much of a burden on our partners. And it's something we've had a lot of discussions with our funding community around this, uh, as well as obviously within our team and with our advisors is how do we both, you know, share our perspective and then also be open to changing it and to learning and to, to also in a sense, kind of you know, one of the things to, of, of working with our partners on is how can we be the you know, when we show up to a meeting, how can we make sure that we're not the ones that are, you know, that are setting the agenda in a sense, yeah, right? Yeah, so that's, yeah. it's, it's little things like that, but also just that, that I think are also important in terms of how we show up. Yeah. How often do you need to meet up with your um, grantees and your partners? Is that uh, preset uh, saying, you know, we're going to do this, do so quarterly, or is it as a need arises or as certain milestones are achieved? It varies a bit because we actually, in in most of our grants, we actually have a phase up front, which we call the design phase, uh, which is a period whereby we're basically working more closely with our partners to provide support on as they, you know, build out their plans uh, for, um, for, you know, for, for the longer term around what they're going to do to uh, transform and shift systems. And so at that phase, we're actually more engaged and then um and then afterwards it can be more uh, you know as developed with the partners mm -hmm. um but it's also i mean even in the design phase it is too so in a way it's actually designing that up front got you and that does that design phase is it a sort of participatory sort of engagement where where the design is this a co-design as it were you have different voices both from the grantees and the and those who are making the funding and, you know, everybody sort of has a, a voice at the table? Well, it's actually, it's driven by the the partners. So those that are receiving the funding. Um, so it's their vision. Uh, really what our job is, is during that time frame to, you know, bring in resources uh, that could be helpful uh, during that phase, whether it's around, um, you know, their approach, different approaches to, systems change or around political economy um, or, you know, really, really at core, what does it mean to be focused on intersectional gender justice and gender equality? Um, so, uh, so really it's, it is a bit of a, um, you know, it, it's as to what is most useful to the partners and then our job. And that's both from our team as well as the broader set of advisors and our funding partners. It's what we can then um, do to be supportive in that phase. Mm -hmm. And these advisors you mentioned about advisors before, who who are they or how do you decide who's coming to advise and how does that work? 
Yeah, so we actually have, so we both have um, an advisory board for uh, for both the, the, the gender fund and for the foundational fund. Um, we also then look to, um, to people that both are advising that we bring on board in both to, to and I'm using it as, as a collective, but it's actually also we, we've brought in people to review uh, the applications that have come in um, and then also uh, to guide us in, you know, whether it's around a particular topic or otherwise. So it's really up to our, mostly it's up to our regional teams as to, uh, to who to bring on board and where there may be gaps and, um, and, and the need. Uh-huh. Excellent. And so here's the question for you. It might be a bit of a broad question and but if I'm stepping back a little bit, I'm looking at the world of philanthropy and then stepping even farther back and looking at the whole global sustainability agenda. And, and, and I try to look at co-impact and see where does co-impact fit into the whole thing. Um, I know one of your partners is Edel Give Foundation, and they themselves fairly recently launched the Grow Fund, which is you know deploying a few million, not billions, but a few million in India to 100 charities. So you you work with them, you support them. You you are talking about, you know, we have a fund we want to deploy a billion dollars with 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 respect to um, a gender in this case. Where does co-impact fit into that big scheme of things because you're you're philanthropic so relative to the corporate world you're small but relative to the philanthropic stakeholders you're huge in terms of the state of the of the means that you're bringing together. So I'll answer with a few things. First that um, thanks for bringing up it'll give I mean I will say I'm so excited about um, the the regional groups of philanthropists that are coming together as part of this global group um, so we're uh, we're working with it'll give um, around the work uh, in particular in India we're also working uh, with TC Masiwa and the African philanthropy forum on bringing together a group of funders from across Africa uh, and then we're in the early stages of doing something similar in Latin America uh, and so uh, so yeah I'm really really excited Very about exciting. that yeah, um, yeah. yeah and then uh, and then on this this question I mean I think one of the things to note is the partners that we are supporting are really looking to shift in government systems or market systems to be more effective and more equitable for the people that they serve, which means that the philanthropic funding itself is actually then potentially shifting millions or billions in government funding in terms of that. So philanthropy itself is small in the scheme, but there's a chance to then make these systems really that much more effective and that much more just um, overall. And so I think that's, you know, when we think about the role of philanthropy, it will always be small. And we're obviously tiny in the overall scheme of things. Um, And so it's also about how we do that. And then the final thing I'll say is, one of the things that I am most excited about as well with Coimpact is collaboration is at our core. And so of course we're collaborative with the partners that are part of Coimpact, right? Whether the program partners or funding partners. And it's also about how do we work with others where it's maybe not 
you know, as directly collaborating, but it's more about, you know, building these kinds of alliances that we can have to be supportive of the overall movement, uh, both towards advancing gender equality, towards making systems more just, and also making philanthropy more effective. And I fundamentally believe that if we can come together in that way, that it will actually, uh, it will add up to so much more. Excellent. Now, what, you know, if we're looking at the horizon uh, going forward, very excited about these different collaboratives and partnerships that you have. What what are the sort of things that you may be losing a little bit of sleep because you're so excited about? <laughs> I mean, right now, so last week, we actually, as we were recording this, uh, we spent the week at our first team retreat mm. since uh, before the pandemic and all came together in person and it just gave me so much excitement and hope because i mean i am i'm just so grateful to get to work uh with this incredible team and so i think that is uh that's really uh yeah that's i'm on, i'm on a bit of a high <laughs> from that so it was definitely <laughs> really exciting um and then also just you know the 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 thing i'll say is i feel like as we have been reflecting on the overall in terms of this moment in time, right? We're coming, well, hopefully coming off the pandemic. Um, and we see in a way uh, on a much less hopeful, and we've also seen how much the pandemic has set us back um, and especially what it's meant uh, in terms of, uh, for women and girls, uh, marginalized groups in particular. And so it feels, I think, even more urgent now um, than ever that we we do everything that we can to be able to make these kinds of shifts that we've been talking about. And I think what makes me hopeful in that is seeing the, you know, the amazing partners that are out there, the amazing organizations that are out there that are doing this work and that where, you know, it's just, it really is about philanthropy stepping up and stepping up in a big way to be able to to support them so that, you know, it's been, especially in this area of gender equality, which has been so underfunded for so long, mm. there's a chance for, you know, really now for philanthropy to say, okay, it's time for us to do more, you know, and whether it's with co-impact, whether it's with others, really it's about saying, what is it that we can do to, uh, to really now step up and move the needle in a really, really important way. Yeah. What would you love to see? Um, if you're looking at the horizon and let's say, you know, I always say, I used to say the same question. I used to say, you know, what, what success look like to you for the next 10 years, which dovetails nicely with the SDGs, uh, the target year 2030. Now it's no longer dovetails perfectly because you're only eight years away from, from 2030 uh, and closing fast uh, because we're already midway through 2022. Um, what would you like to see in the next 10 years? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, what I would love to see is really significant and meaningful movement towards making, when we look at the major systems that govern basically most of what we do, so whether it's education, health, economic opportunity, seeing them actually moving towards working for everyone. And when I say that, I mean really, especially for those that are marginalized within the systems because if they are not working for marginalized women 
people. So if we, we need, and I think intersectionality, this is hugely important. So as we also think about race and class and cost, if they aren't doing that, then they aren't actually working. And so it's about saying, what is it that, you know, in 10 years, actually seeing systems, being more effective, being more just. And then also, you know, I think leadership within that, because it is so much also about power and it's about power and agency. And so saying, what does it take to actually have, you know, women have more power and more agency and more leadership throughout in these, in these areas? Um, and then, of course, you know, in our, in our work, it's also around law and economics within that. And so, um, so how can we see that in and I, I fundamentally believe that we can see that in, uh, you know, in our in the short term, um, and uh, and but the way to do that is by this kind of stepping up that's needed across, um, you know, and and and, and philanthropy can. I, I I'm optimistic about the role of philanthropy, which is that you know philanthropy can, uh, with more resources and more support, um, actually play an important role. Um, in in helping to get there as as one seat at the table. Yeah, the um, the world of philanthropy has it grown up a lot since you got it. I mean, a little while back, and maybe not such a little while back, uh, you work with Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett as the founding director of the Giving Pledge. How has the world transpired or evolved since then? Because so many things have changed in the world of philanthropy. Are there any key key observations that you would say, like two or three bullet points? So I'll, I'll, I think the two that I would bring to the fore is I think there is more of a conversation around power. And I think that's a really important and a really good thing. Uh, I think there still needs to be more. Um, but I think that, uh, that these conversations around power and about trust are so important in philanthropy. And I think, I think we're seeing more of them, um, which I think is is a good thing. Um, the second I would say is there, and you know, it's, I used to say that collaboration, you know, is sort of this side thing and it was, it's just sort of small move towards that. I actually think there is much more of a conversation around collaboration and philanthropy now, obviously again, <laughs> needs to be more. Um, but I think, uh, I think there's more of a recognition of what philanthropy's role is, right? I think that's, um, and I think more of a discussion and more of a questioning and all of that, which I think is really important. And so those are two things I would, I would especially call out. I think, you know, there's still, and I, I love the conversations with people always around, you know, what more can philanthropy be? And we've done a lot of thinking on that and a lot of writing on it as well and plan to do more uh, with others uh, because I really think, um, you know, it is about that. It's about saying, how do we uh, continue to push ourselves and continue to learn from what others are doing to, um, to make it so that you know philanthropy can can be at its its best best version of itself. Yeah, yeah. Now there's so much so many different things that we could still talk about, but we're running out of time. So we're going to have to leave some of these for your your third visit <laughs> on the show. Uh, what's the key takeaway that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's show? I think. Even our conversation as well, I think it really is for systems change. When we, when we talk about systems change, we need to keep equity and inclusion and justice at the core. And so what that means is these conversations that we've been having around, and in order to do that, really, the conversations that we've been having around power, 
and around trust uh, and around what does it mean to, you know, what, what role philanthropy really can and should have um, in supporting partners to actually have that kind of focus um, and that do have that kind of focus, uh, I think, uh, is really important. So again, I think it's, the, it, it is the message of really keeping the, the, the core of equity, of justice and inclusion within everything we do uh, central. Wonderful. Wonderful. Olivia, thank you very much for, for joining us today on the Do One Better podcast, especially since you have a board meeting tomorrow. <laughs> so it was very nice of you to take the time. It's great always catching up and learning from you and, and hearing about the developments in CoImpact's uh, journey. Uh, so here's to your continued success and thanks so much. Thank you so much, Alberta. Really appreciate it. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for joining. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Olivia Leland, the founder and chief executive officer of CoImpact. For information about this episode and more than 150 other interviews with remarkable thought leaders in the world of philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at lij.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show. Thanks very much, and I'll catch you next week.